0: Yes, yes, welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Tim McKernan, alongside executive producer of this fine presentation, John Seymour, a.k.a. the Seamaster. We are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, Ryan Kelly and his team, the sponsor of our studios on the program. If you're in the market to buy a home, if you're in the market to refinance, please make sure that you go to the home Loan Expert. My wife and I have been talking about refinancing now for a little while, and I'm like, hey, this is going to be easy. I know where to go because I talk about it on the podcast twice a week, and that is thehomeloanexpert.com. And that's where you can go. You can enter in the numbers. Right when you go there, it'll say refinance purchase. You click on the tab that applies to you, and the next thing you know, you're entering in numbers, and you have a better idea of what your payment would be on a new home or how much money you can save by refinancing with thehomeloanexpert.com. Com. And I can tell you this, five minutes can save you $500. So why not at least just go there and see what you can do? It's Ryan Kelly and his team at the thehomeloanexpert.com, the sponsor of our studios on the Tim McKernan Show, a loyal sponsor, a great guy with a first-class company and team. It's thehomeloanexpert.com. It's questions from the audience. And we were sitting here in the studio, uh, the Sea Monster and I, and we were tending to some other business, and he goes, um... Uh I said, oh, Renny, Renny Nott, who was about to come in and uh, be one of our interviews. Uh, I said, oh, he's not coming in for 90 minutes. He goes, yeah, but we got questions from the audience. I, go, ah! I forgot to post questions from the audience to get the actual questions from the audience. So then I posted it and we started to get a bunch of questions and it's nothing against the questions. Uh, it's just honestly, I didn't feel I, I need my synapses to fire. That's what I need. In order to deliver something that I would like to think will entertain, engage, captivate, amuse, make one think, whatever term you would want to use. I have no idea. To give you good content, bottom line. Um, and so there's some questions in here that are good, but they're kind of yes or no's. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's going to make my synaps- synapses fire, and therefore I don't think it's going to make your synapses fire. Uh, and so I'm kind of like, okay. And then one caught my attention. Uh, and I feel like I can tell a story and give some background on something that maybe I haven't talked about in great detail that I think would be better than a questions from the audience today. So I'm going to call an audible, but it comes from this question that was submitted just seconds ago from questions from the audience on the TMA fan page, which I recommend you uh, join because there are what, like 6,000, what what do we have now, 6,462 active members because I block bots. Otherwise, we could have like 20,000 members and I can run around talking about that. But these are real people and they are listeners and they participate in discussions. And here is what will lead to the discussion for today's questions from the audience. It's this question. Tim, I know you've talked and written a bit about your experience co-hosting the Artie Lang show a few years back. I'm curious about speaking to a national audience compared to a St. Louis audience. Clearly you aren't going to break down the last bullpen spot for the Cardinals on a national show, but I was curious how, or if you changed your approach for a national broadcast. Was it a bit overwhelming or do you use the same mindset and settle in quickly? And I know that Artie's show no longer is on, but uh, presented the opportunity again to co-host for a day or two. Would you say yes? Yes. And the reason why I like this one is because I don't think I've talked about some of the details on what took place with that. And uh, Artie, you know, has been on our show on the Ryan Kelly Morning After. And um, I've gotten to know both Artie to a limited extent um, and his producer much more. Uh, in, I've, I've hung out with him, I guess, within the last year, actually, at Kirkwood Brewhouse. Uh, Dan Filato is his name. And the whole story surrounding that and how... Of all the things in my career, I think back on that as the biggest miss. Um, And I guess I would certainly always have to look in the mirror when something doesn't necessarily go the way you think it could have gone and then go, okay, what would I do again and would I do this differently? And so the answer on that is yes on some things with that. And then also how I think it was a miss... um, whether it be for Artie or for DirecTV, to pontificate on that wouldn't be fair because I don't know all the details that were going on with Artie and with DirecTV. But I will lay out the whole story because it includes, you know, from my standpoint anyway, some pretty amusing anecdotes with some, I mean, some of the biggest names, actually, some of the, literally, the biggest names in comedy that I happen to kind of have this Forrest Gump 48-hour experience with, plus an absolutely torture-like experience as far as a career moment goes. Um, so, here is how it all went down. Um, you know, getting up super early in the morning to do, well, what I think is super early, to do the Ryan Kelly Morning After, which I've just adjusted to now after doing it for 14 years. Uh, one of the things that I have found is um, there's nothing on TV to watch unless you just default to Sports Center, And I just... I, I I think SportsCenter Center could work, and by that I mean, if you had the right anchors in there, I think you could. I think you'd be like like if the Van Pelt Show, for example, were replayed at 5 a.m. Central, I'd I'd, I'd watch that. But it's not usually what they're replaying. It's kind of one of the replaceable pairs of anchors or individual anchors, whatever the case might be. It's attempts at comedy. It's a it's a bad rip off of. Kilborn, Stuart Scott, Rich Eisen, Dan Patrick, Keith Olbermann, whatever. If I already said Keith Olbermann, I have no idea. The point being, I don't really want to watch it. So then I got nothing to watch. And this is is, is present day, May 2018, as I tell the story. But the reason goes back to, like, December 2012, January 2013. And I don't even know how I discovered it. Probably just flipping around. And I saw that there was a show called The Nick... Apollo and Artie Lang show on DirecTV Audience Network, which is where Joe Buck's show uh, had been um, airing for the last few years. Now, Dan Patrick is taking that over, but that's where Joe's show, which I loved watching, had been airing for the last few years. Um, and so I saw it and I'm like, oh, I'm a huge Artie Lang fan. Let me turn this on. And it actually was they would record it. Oh, what time did they start? I think they would record it at either 10 or 11 New York City time. And it was uh, recorded at studios in Soho in, in, in lower Manhattan. And it was Nick and Artie um, just kind of BSing. And I guess it's what Artie did following parting ways, whether he was fired, quit, whatever went on there with the Howard Stern show. And I've always considered, first off, obviously, just a, just a horribly cheap ripoff of Howard Stern uh, is what I am. Um but for the Howard Stern show, from my money as a, a listener, kind of going back to nineteen ninety-seven, so certainly not going back to the beginning, that the show was at its absolute best when Artie was on, because when I when I talk radio, even with with listeners, but certainly with people I work with regarding radio, we talk about the positions, uh like the point man uh would be the one, um the kind of provocateur uh the two And then kind of the sniper, the three. And so on the Stern show, Howard's the one, Robin's the two, and Artie was the three and the greatest three of all time because he's so quick. Quickest mind I've ever worked with. And granted, it was only two shows, uh, but the quickest mind I've ever worked with. Now, how did it come to fruition that I actually was doing the show? So I'm watching the show, and I loved it. And it wasn't necessarily because it was phenomenal it just was something that appealed to a man in his 30s and i don't know what television in the morning appeals to a man in his 30s 20s 40s doesn't matter uh but as a guy in his 30s at the time it's like oh i can watch you know you know morning news which you know how one goes from either journalism school or communication school to somehow attempting comedy on local affiliates is beyond me and weather forecasts every seven, every seven minutes. but I get it. they don't expect people to be sitting and watching for an hour at a time, so it's like radio where you cycle and you do traffic here and then you do weather and do traffic and weather and that's what you do. I get it. but either way, it's, it's, it's horrible programming. Uh, so I wouldn't watch it. so I had nothing to watch, so it was great to have something to watch and that was already a show. And then about you know a month into me watching it, There's something that happens with Nick DiPaolo, his buddy, and he quits the show. And I don't know what happened. I just knew that Artie was flying solo and they were bringing in people who lived in the New York area to fill in with him. And one of those people was Brent Stover, who some of you may remember from Fox Sports Midwest. I believe he was working with the cat at Fox Sports Midwest, like in the early 2000s. Great guy. I mean, just great guy. Uh, and I would love to kind of, Brent and I would kind of give each other trouble when we'd see each other at Bush stadium. You know, I I knew he was a very, very straight laced guy and he knew I was a creep. And so there was this kind of good back and forth, just, you know, good spirited joking around. And, um, Brent and I have stayed in touch here and there, uh, because we both have had some of the same job opportunities and we both turned them down. And so we would kind of talk about some of these things. And uh, and get a feel for it and, you know, so we would have good conversations. And I knew Brent's big interest, uh, which I think is why he left Fox Sports Midwest, was getting into play-by-play. And like I said, super straight-laced guy. And then the next thing I know, I'm watching my show in the morning, the Artie Lang show, and there's Brent Stover with Artie. And so clearly, you know, this isn't what Brent wants to do. I know that because I know he wants to do play-by-play. Um, I also know he's incredibly talented and a great guy, so he'll he's a you know perfect uh person to have come in, in in a in a weird situation where one of the you know two names on the show has quit the show. But um I was talking with Joe Buck and you know obviously Joe Buck and Artie Lang will be forever linked and I said, do you ever watch that show? And Joe's like, no, I mean, it's on super late at night. It's on super early in the morning. It's not something he would be locked in and watching. Uh, And I said, well, Brent Stove, remember him on Fox Sports? I said, he's filling in with Artie. And I think Joe was kind of amused at like the oil and vinegar pairing. But again, it wasn't like this is the long-term solution. It's like, what are we going to do in the meantime? Because we can't just have Artie sitting there by himself. He needs people to play off of. And so I said, I really think I could I could do that thing with him. I think it could be good. And he goes, "Well, then you ought to do it." And I go, "Well, how the hell am I going to do it?" He goes, "Well, I know Chris Long." And I go, "Yeah, the Rams defensive end." I mean, what the hell? He goes, "No, no, no. There's there's that that Chris Long, but there's Chris Long who runs Direct TV's programming." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, makes sense." And so he puts a call in to Chris Long on my behalf. Uh Joe does and um and chris you know has the uh, producer of uh, the Artie lang show reach out to me they want me to send them some of my stuff i send them some of my stuff they like it uh and uh it was the year that the ravens played the 49ers in new orleans so this is january 2013 and uh And Joe was down there, and he actually appeared on Artie's show because he was set up at the Super Bowl. Artie Artie wound up having a real controversial interview. I think the guy's name was Chris Culliver. He played for the 49ers, and he said something about, are you nodding, Seamaster? I'm correct. It's an obscure name. That's who it was. And Chris Culliver, just out of nowhere, says, you know, Artie obviously asked him, but says he wouldn't want a gay teammate and that that wouldn't fly in the locker room. And then it became, like, the national topic du jour uh, because of, Artie's um interview with him. So anyway, Joe goes on the show and he's talking to some of the people, and Joe comes back and we're texting and he goes, They're really excited about you doing this show. And I'm like, man, that's pretty exciting for me because I just figured I'd just be one of, you know, a bunch of people they'd be having come in and fill in on the show. And this could be like something that I would actually leave St. Louis and love to do. Um and at that time, early 2013. For those of you who listen to the Ryan Kelly Morning After, that is when the bolt of lightning was striking on the man and woman thing. So the timing was prime. So it's mid-February, and uh, that's historically when the Ryan Kelly Morning After has gone down to Jupiter, Florida to do our spring training broadcast. But the producer at the Artie Lang show says, hey, we want you to come up for this day and this day and it happens to be one of the days or two of the days where the show is in Florida but you know considering the opportunity I have to take that opportunity and so I the plan then became I'll fly to New York, do the show two nights and then fly from New York down to West Palm Beach and then do the remaining week of the 2013 spring training shows so that's what we did so fly up to New York um, you know, I'd watched the show, stay, um, stay in New York city at, uh, where did we stay? The Tribeca Grand, if I'm not mistaken, which is only a few blocks away from the studios, which were over in Soho. Super nice studios. If, uh, when Dan Patrick was doing Sunday night football, uh, the Monday morning of the Dan Patrick show would be the Artie Lang studios. That's what they were used for. Uh, I think Artie would probably call them the Dan Patrick studios more than the Artie Lang studios. Um, Also, a friend of the show, Hey K Adams, uh, will do some of that uh, Red Zone coverage, I feel like, from these studios. I mean, these are super nice studios, the nicest studios I've ever been, and I can't imagine I'll be in something nicer. I mean, considering how expensive it had to be to build it out, how expensive the rent had to be there. I mean, it's incredible. So... You know, the question was, was I overwhelmed? I wouldn't say I was overwhelmed, but I mean, meeting Artie Lang for me personally was, you know, I mean, this is Artie Lang in a sense is, is one of my biggest influences for what we do with the radio show. And so it's a thrill. And I also want to, I also want to perform well, but I'm, I'm on the morning after I'm the one on this show I'm not even sure I'm the two or three. Artie's the one, and I'm just random guy from St. Louis. So it's a different role, totally different role than I've played for years, and I've got to be, you know, Ed McMahon, so to speak, um, Andy Richter, so to speak, whatever uh, sidekick reference you want to make that's what I've got to be for somebody I've never met before. And obviously somebody who has played the game at the highest of levels on, you know, one of the most popular radio shows of all time. And even while he was doing that, he was also, you know, flying to Las Vegas and making a hundred grand per show to, to do his comedy sets. And they'd fly back to New York. And then he, you know, that's detailed in his book, how he got into all his drug problems, intensifying. And so, you know, from that standpoint, I was fired up, you know, um, I guess nervous, but I don't feel like that's what it was. I just felt, I was like, I, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, I mean, what a, I'm just, I'm thrilled that I have the opportunity. I think that's the best way. And it's not like, man, if this doesn't work out, what am I going to do? I already have a job. um, And I wasn't necessarily expecting it to turn into something. um, But either way, I still wanted to, I still wanted to do well. And so. I'm sitting there. I th- let's just say that the show started at 10 Eastern. I'm not sure what time it started, but I'll, we'll call it 10 Eastern. I think it's 10 Eastern. And we show up, uh, or I show up. Anna Marie's with me, but I don't think she came to the studio on the first night. Maybe she did. And um, just sitting there in the studio, and it's this huge, like, loft-style studio. And, you know, a very short amount of time before the show starts, Artie comes in and... um you know I'm sitting there, and he had these two twins who were on the amazing race uh and I think they were like Twin sanity was their name on Twitter, kind of acting as production assistants and they handed me like a sheet of notes of topics uh for the show, but I kind of got the sense that based on watching the show that the this was more or less just like something that is there if we have absolutely nothing in other words we're not gonna we're probably not going to ever talk about this stuff. So I'm just sitting there, Artie comes rolling in, walks up, very nice. Uh, he couldn't be a nicer human being. I think that's why people give him so many chances because they love him and he's a very lovable person. And uh, we BS a little bit, um, but, you know, it's not like he's locked in and wants to get to know me and I'm going to get to know him. It's essentially, no, where are you, you know, where, what are you doing? You're from St. Louis. Oh, I love St. Louis. Uh, Performed down like the Funny Bone at the Landing and then out of Westport and, Great people. Love the Cardinals. Yeah, so you're friends with Joe Buck. Oh, it's Joe doing? Um, you know, that kind of thing. Small talk kind of stuff. And, you know, like 10 minutes later, we're on the air. And as is Artie Style, which is the Howard Stern Show Style, which is probably no coincidence that it is the Ryan Kelly Morning After Style, it is just an improv festival, which I like. I don't think, I mean, could I do a structured radio show? Yes. Would it be? Bore me to pieces, yes. That's why I don't do television. Bores me to pieces. Like the improv, like the thrill, like the synapses firing. And so the show starts and Artie goes into, for real, I don't know if the audio or video would be anywhere to be found, but I swear he must have talked for a half hour straight with me sitting there laughing because he's telling stories about St. Louis, some story about some guys picking him up and taking him to a white castle. I think that was the theme of the story. And it's, you know, it's already telling a story and a guy can flat out tell a story and it's amusing. But uh, I'm just sitting there and the entire show, well, not the entire show, but they're flashing to a two shot. So it's me and Artie, but I'm just sitting there and I can picture the people at DirecTV going, is this guy going to talk? But if you put yourself in my spot, I'm the guest there and I'm the guest who he doesn't know. And while there's a handful of people in St. Louis who are watching it. And, uh, they know me 99% of the people watching this thing have no idea who I am. Uh, and so I'm not going to walk into a guest's home and, you know, (laughs) sit down and start calling the shots. So I am going to be in a deferential role again in a different spot than I am when I'm the one on the Ryan Kelly morning after. So. You know, as this is going on, I'm amused by it, but I'm thinking to myself, oh, this isn't really the kind of thing that I wouldn't necessarily, you know, move to New York City for. Um, And then I think, yeah, his first night, Jim Norton, who has been a guest on the Ryan Kelly Morning After, the comedian, is the guest. And he's in studio and Artie and Jim know each other. I mean, they, you know, they, they couldn't know each other any better. And one of the things that made it even more awkward when we came back and then when Jim Norton is there is if you can picture a set, so just essentially picture the dais. Artie is, there's three people. Artie's in the middle, and he he is turned to, because he's interviewing Jim, who is on Artie's left. I'm on Artie's right. And so Artie can't see me. And so you have this shot of the three of us, except once again, I'm just sitting there. And it couldn't be more awkward. But, well, actually, it could be more awkward. It would have been more awkward if I would have jumped in the interview between these two guys who've known each other, God, for what do you think, 20, 25 years? And then, like, so, you know, ask some out-of-left-field question while they're just totally riffing. So that would have been awkward. The thing that made it, I don't know what I, what would have been better, I guess, suppose I, I think, if I could go back. It, but I wasn't in a position to call shots, was just say, hey, I'll sit this segment out. There's no need for me to be here. It would be awkward if I interject and then it's even more awkward for the viewer because there's this third dude who nobody knows who he is and he's just sitting on the set and he's oftentimes on the shot so i'm just sitting there just with a smile on my face and it's just you know it's just bad there's just no there's no other way around it it's bad i feel awkward but i like i said if i would have jumped in it would have been worse so it's just a, it's just a weird spot nobody's doing anything wrong With the benefit of hindsight now, a few years removed from it, I would have said, you know, when Artie has Jim on and they know each other, you know, I'll just sit off to the side. There's no need for me to be there. You know, like when, you know, Johnny Carson was interviewing somebody, they didn't show Ed McMahon unless he interjected. Uh, It was Johnny Carson tight shot, guest tight shot or the two of them tight shot unless occasionally they would go to the three shot. Uh, For those of you occasionally watching Conan O'Brien these days, it'd be the same kind of thing. Jimmy Fallon, I guess, does have essentially a sidekick, but he's off to the side. He's not on the couch. And I think it's to prevent the awkward thing of the dude just sitting there. So that was, you know, that was night one. And after we got done, you know, Artie's just a nice guy. He goes, yeah, good show, good show. He goes, hey, what do you got going on tomorrow? And I go, well, nothing. I mean, we don't do our show until 10 at night, so Anna Marie and I are probably just going to get lunch in New York City. We'll maybe go somewhere, hang out, and, you know, and get dinner. He goes, hey, I'm doing this uh, charity gig at the uh, at Gotham, which is a comedy place in, um, I think it's close to Midtown, if memory serves. Um, and he goes, Adrian and I, and Adrian, I think, was his girlfriend. I think eventually they got engaged. I don't know if they were engaged at the time. Either way, they were. it was a serious relationship. Adrian and I are going to be up there. Why don't you and Anna Marie uh, come up there and I'll get you in and, you know, we'll do that and then we'll go get dinner and then we'll do the show. And I'm like, wow, what a super cool gesture. Also in the back of my mind, honestly, I'm wondering, is this even going to really happen? In other words, was it just kind of like a friendly thing, but in reality, when it gets down to it, he'll forget or, you know, just won't really care. I'm random dude from St. Louis who wasn't exactly a uh, force on that night's show, And, uh, and so, you know, I'll never hear from him. And then at, you know, nine o'clock, I'll shoot on over to the studios and we'll do the show. And Anna Marie, uh, you know, and that's, and that's the way it'll go. And then I'll fly down to spring training and that'll be it. And it won't be a big deal. It was nice to spend a couple nights in New York and then go down to spring training, not a bad gig, no complaints. So, you know, it's, uh, 1 a.m. at this point in New York City. One of the many things I love about New York City is it does not matter what time it is. You can always go to a restaurant, and the restaurant will always be packed. And so we get done with the show. It's 1 a.m., and we go to, we go to eat, um, and the um, place is packed. And so we're BSing about the show, and I said, well, I said, the good thing is is that I said to, to my wife, I said, now I know I have absolutely no interest in doing this show. Not that not that they were coming after me and I was coming after them, but you know, this isn't going to be a tough decision. First off, I can't imagine that I did anything that would make them want to hire me, uh, and then secondly, um, you know, it's just not my kind of thing. It's it's it, I, I just, I, it's not a fit. So, you know, not a big deal. We'll do tomorrow night's show. Maybe we'll go out to eat with uh, Artie and and Adrian. And, and then we'll you know fly down to West Palm and, and hang out down there for a few days doing the show. Be great. Whatever. No big deal. Don't think anything of it. Well, sure enough, uh, things change drastically over the next oh, 16, 18 hours. Artie does text me uh, to get together and does follow up on exactly what he said he was going to do, which is reach out to me. Have me and Anna Marie as his guests at Gotham for this comedy show he was doing before we would do our uh, TV slash radio show, and uh, and the plan was then to go to dinner right after he got done with his set, and then head over to the studios. And I'm like, man, how cool of him, you know? I mean, that's just a that's just a really kind gesture, and people had told me he's super nice, uh, and that just it, it just it just lived up to it, and so. We get to we get to Gotham Comedy Club, I would guess around 7 o'clock, um, and we get there, and I just thought it was like already doing a quick thing, wasn't a big deal. Well, we get there, and there is a line, God, it had to be 100 to 150 people deep. It's out the door, on the street, and I'm going, oh, this is going to be brutal. What are we going to do? I'm not going to be able to track him down. I'm going to text him. He's probably not going to get it, uh, and... You know, he's going to think I stood him up. That's going to make it awkward for the show tonight. This sucks. So we're in line, like I said, huge line. And I text Artie to say that we're here, figuring I wouldn't hear back. And then I mean, within a, 10 seconds, he texts me. He goes, where are you? And I said, we're outside. He goes, I'll be right there. So there's this huge line of people. I guess this was a, well, when I tell you who was there, you'll understand. It was a pretty big charity event. Um, I didn't realize that. And so Artie walks out and he's walking past a bunch of people who are there to see him. So, you know, it'd be like being at a Cardinal game and Adam Wainwright walks past the line of people waiting to get into the game to get somebody in. And it's just, you know, it's me and and my wife and people are looking at us like, who are they that they get to walk in and bypass the line with Artie Lang? But that's what he did. And he takes us uh, downstairs. And if you've watched the show... God, no! I can't think of the name of the show, Crashing on HBO, which already's on. Um, with uh, I think the comic's name is I'm going to type it into my laptop so I get it right. I think it's Pete Burns, am I not mistaken? Crashing, am I right? I hope I'm right. I hope I'm not butchering the name. Um, that must not be the name. Well, it's Crashing on HBO, and I got to get the name right. And already's on that Pete Holmes. That's it. Um, so, uh, They've actually, one of the key scenes this year was at at Gotham. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's exactly the room we were in. That's exactly the staircase where we were hanging out. So we go downstairs. I mean, it's an old place, but, I mean, it's a famed comedy, uh, you know, spot in New York City. We go downstairs. And, you know, now at this point, I'm just like, this is just, you know, this is just fucking cool. I'm just like, how did this happen? And we go downstairs and Artie's. Uh, I'm going to call her fiancé. I I know eventually she became his fiancé, Adrian's sitting there. And her and Anna Marie are about the same age. Um, And they both, I don't recall where she went to school, but they were both psych majors. And so they hit it off. And so then it's just the four of us in the green room at Gotham Comedy bullshitting. And, like, already he's asking questions, where do you guys go to school? And I went to Missouri. He goes, God, how great it would be to go to a school with a big-time football, big-time basketball program. God, I would love this. I'm like, that had to be so great. And just BSing about, you know, like, comedy. And I'm just like, this is just, this is, to me, I'm in fanboy mode, and I'm just so grateful that I even have this, like, ex- experience because this is one of, like, my guys. And I'm sitting here with him, and we're just couldn't be getting along better. And there's a knock on the door, and this is where I know it's going to sound like I'm just making shit up, but this has all really happened. There's a knock on the door, and it's Gilbert Gottfried. So it's the four of us, and then Gilbert Gottfried comes in, and Gilbert Gottfried makes me look like, you know, I'm Randy Johnson on the mound. He's not a tall gentleman. And Gilbert Gottfried, I guess, hadn't met Adrian before. And so Artie introduces Anna Marie and I to, to Gilbert, And then you know, so you remember Adrian, if you guys and Gilbert, you know he's not doing the screaming thing, but he's still you know doing you know I don't know being himself so to speak. And he goes, "This is your fiance. What do you have AIDS? Why are you with him?" And it's just it's that that was the way that he introduced himself to Adrian by asking her if she had AIDS. Because she couldn't believe that somebody who looked like that was with somebody who looked like Artie. And so Gilbert sits there and hangs out for a little while. Then he goes up to do his set. And no more than five minutes later, Susie Esman walks through. And I guess they had to get to the restroom through the green room, I guess. Um, and in Susie Esman's name, you might not know who that is when you hear... The name, but if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, she is the one who spends half the episodes calling Jeff Garland, Larry's agent, Jeff, you fat fuck. Uh, she's Jeff's wife. become She's become incredibly famous for that character, but she's also a stand-up. And she couldn't be more, as the cat would say, delightful, couldn't be more pleasant. Um, and is super friendly, and we're BSing now with, you know... Uh, Larry David's, you know, one of his co-stars on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm just going. This is just, this is surreal. This is a surreal. Th- I'm in fanboy mode, and no matter what happens the rest of the night, uh, I'm already like, this is, this has just been amazing just to be with these people, just bsing with these people. Uh, you know, it's not like we just shake hands and meet. We're actually having conversations, and and so it gets to a point where somebody comes and says, "Hey, Artie, it's, you know, you're up." And so Anna Marie, Adrian and I go to, you know, the back of the room Artie does his thing. And it's just, it's like watching a conductor just perform flawlessly with his symphony of jokes, the content, the timing, the facial expressions. It's just, he's so talented. He's so talented and it's, it's effortless and it goes incredibly well. Adrian's heard the jokes a million times. She's still laughing. Everything's good. Artie gets done. The three of us mosey to the front, uh, and we're going to go head out. Hardy gets off the stage. We're going to go head out for dinner and then go do our show. And, 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 you know, we're walking past Dave Attell, Gilbert Gottfried, Susie Essman. I feel like there was somebody else who people would know. And I can't think of the name at the time. We're walking out and either way, everything's good. Great. Whatever. It's already been a cool night. And as we're walking out, um, the, the, we can hear her over, you know, the, the speaker in the theater, and we're outside the theater now, about to walk out onto the street and, and get in our car and, and head to a restaurant. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here tonight for this charity benefit, making a surprise appearance, Jerry Seinfeld and Artie. Now I'm, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, but even Artie goes. Did he just say Seinfeld? And I go, I think he did, and he goes. We got to go see this. So Artie turns around and then all four of us go back into the theater and the th- and the room holds, God, I would think no more. I mean, I guess, God, I want to say 200 and maybe somebody who's been there would go, dude, it holds like 500. But to me, it was like 200, maybe. I mean, I'll say very liberally 300, but I could be wrong. Point being, it's not like you're, you know, at a large arena. So you have Jerry Seinfeld, 20 feet from you, doing material. And I'm just standing on this. And and it was funny to watch uh, Artie, Gilbert Gottfried, Susie Essman, Dave Attell all stop and pause and watch him perform. As if there was this, uh, like I was talking about how I would have to be differential, you know, deferential, whatever. I would have to defer when I'm with Artie on his show, like how they held him in that high of respect that they would uh, just stop what they're doing and like, you know, Babe Ruth is up at the plate. So we're going to watch Babe Ruth take his cuts, even though, you know, we're in the major leagues ourselves. And so that's what they did for the next 20 minutes. Jerry's essentially trying out material and that's what he does. Uh, He'll just roll into New York clubs. They bump somebody and, and he'll do his thing. And, you know, I'm just, I remember just going, I can't believe that this is going on and that we're this close to him, uh, just in in a room that's holding a couple hundred people. And I'm with Artie Lange. It just was a surreal, you know, I, it was a surreal thing. It was, it was a, it was a highlight of my life, much less career. Um, and so Seinfeld does his thing because we stuck around to watch him do his thing at this point now, it's probably 9.15, we're on the air at 10, and we have to travel from Midtown down to Soho the studios, and so we're probably not going to be able to get something to eat, so we're all in the car together, and Ari, you know, decides to fade eating, and uh, and we'll just go to the studio and do the show, and, uh, and so we're talking as we're heading down to the studio and he, and he goes that's pretty cool and that's pretty cool to see Seinfeld he goes, that's the way it is though in New York man you can just be hanging out one night and Chris Rock rolls in and he just wants to try some new stuff and so he starts doing his thing and Seinfeld Seinfeld and Rock they do that all the time it's just you know it's just New York that's what happens a comedy cellar Gotham whatever so um we're on a high because you know already had a great set not that like that was a high for him I think that's what he expects to do Uh, But we saw Seinfeld. It was a cool night. Adrian and Anna Marie are getting along. I think it was Anna Marie. The next night was Anna Marie's birthday. Uh, So this must have been uh, February 12th, 2013, to be specific. And so we're feeling really good. And now Artie and I kind of had a bit of a bonding experience. And so when we start the show, this time it's totally different. This time I'm actually involved in the show and... We're kind of going back and forth, and now we're picking up uh, some chemistry, and there's some, you know, there's some, there's some pace to the timing, and it's really working. Um, and in the meantime, because Anna Marie's birthday was the next night, uh, Adrian said, let's, let's go out to dinner and hang out while they do the show, and so, because we never went to dinner, so they go to uh, Sushi Samba, I remember that because I love going to Sushi Samba in Las Vegas, Sushi Samba down in Lower Manhattan. They go there and hang out. And um, and it goes, you know, the, the show goes really well. We had David Freeze on. So in reference to national guests versus local guests, David Freeze is our guest. Uh, and Artie, you know, it was, it was hilarious because, you know, we, I, I figured he'd be on for like 10 minutes. We'd BS. I figured Artie would recruit him to the Yankees, uh, which he did. Uh, and just BS with him, and then Artie going, Hey, David, can you st- get- we got a break. Can you stick around? And so I thought that was kind of amusing that he had David do it, and Freeze, you know, it's midnight or something. Freeze is fine. He's, you know, that David Freeze laugh, and he's like, you know, absolutely. Well, we do another segment with David Freeze, and then Artie's, David, just, can, I, can I get you for another segment? Can you stick around? So he has David Freeze stick around for yet another segment, and Freeze is laughing his ass off, and we're texting each other about it, Freeze and I. Like, what in the hell is going on? But he doesn't care. He's amused by it. It's not like he's got anything else to do. He did, you know, spring training. So we do the show. During the show, though, at one point, I look over and Artie has started to, you know, we, we, we would take phone calls. And Artie has, during some of the phone calls from listeners, Artie has started to, like, close his eyes and it looks like he's falling asleep. And... You know, it's like toward the end of the show, but it's on television. This isn't like the studios at KFNS, but I'm not the guy in charge. I'm the sidekick guest. And I'm like, well, what do I do here? Because I see that the camera's on him and he's got his eyes closed and he looks like he's falling asleep. So that was a weird spot. Our guest that night was Andrew Dice Clay in studio. Now, if you're a Howard Stern fan, you may recall it's a famous segment, actually, that Dyson. Already had a major falling out. I guess already opened for Dice and Dice didn't get him the money to open for him. And it was a whole thing. It's a great segment. Um, and so I'm like, oh, these two are going to be, and they got along completely fine. Already wandered off during one of the commercial breaks. So then it's just me and Dice sitting there BSing, another surreal thing. Uh, and, you know, you have the Dice, who you may remember from the 80s and 90s on stage in the you know, little miss Muffet thing playing, you know, sold out stadiums. I mean, how many comedians can say they did that? Uh, and then just the guy that's sitting there BSing. And I, and I remember asking him, you know, cause he was talking about how his son had like a residency in his band at hard rock, hard rock hotel in Las Vegas. And I said, so what's a bigger thrill for you to be doing your thing there for you? To... He goes, Oh dude, it's my kid. He goes, I mean, come on, you know, and I didn't have a kid at the time. So I couldn't relate. Now I totally get it now that I have one. Um, but he goes, it's the best thing in the world to see him experiencing success. It means a lot more to me than, you know, me doing my thing. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Uh, show goes really well, especially for versus the first one. And I talked to a couple of the people on the show at, during the – the show wasn't even over, actually. This is during commercial break, and they're like, man, they're going to have you come back up here for sure. This is, you know – and then when we wrapped it up, they're like, well, I know we're going to see you again soon. This is – it's just a matter of, you know, when. And I'm like, you know, this is, I wasn't expect just a few hours ago. I'm kind of like, this, I, this thing's, you know, this isn't what I want to do. You know, first off, they're not going to offer it to me because it's not like I did anything special on the first night and it's not what I want to do. So it's not a big deal. You know, it's like losing a 10 nothing game. You don't really care. I mean, you care, but, you know, it's not like it's heartbreak. So Artie, Adrian, uh, and Anna Marie and I go from there to a bar But Anna Marie and Adrian had been, as I said, at Sushi Samba, and I'm texting with them, and and Adrian's not responding to Artie's text, and that's got Artie on a bit of tilt. And so it's just me and Artie at 1.30 in the morning walking around, I think we were in Greenwich Village, looking for them and couldn't find them. Anna Marie, you know, she's been to New York plenty, but she doesn't know exactly where it is, so she's giving me an address, and Artie's like, that couldn't be possible, so we eventually find them. Artie, so I'm sure he would acknowledge, not in the greatest of shape, and so we're walking all over the place. He's getting gassed. He has to stop. He goes, all right, I'm going to run in this place and get a slice real quick. So, like, at one thirty in the morning, he goes and gets a slice of pizza. Then we finally find them, and uh, Artie's not feeling great because he hadn't eaten, as I said, and then he finally got something to eat, but he's not feeling great, and it's just me, Adrian, and Anna Marie uh, hanging out, uh, at the bar, Artie doesn't drink and we're BSing and she goes, well, how'd it go? And I said, well, first night I thought it was kind of, you know, nothing. I did nothing. And the second night was pretty damn good. Well, you know, we had some, some chemistry and it, it, it was better. I still was awkward sitting there when it was him and dice because what the hell am I going to do? But, you know, tried to do the most that I could in a, in a weird spot, but the other, you know, two and a half hours were great. And so, you know, we have a good conversation I know I got to fly out to Marie and I are flying out to West Palm in the morning to go down there to do the spring training shows. And the way it was left with everybody with the show was we're going to give you a call and we're going to want to have you come back up and do more shows. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you know, this this could be this could be it. This could be this could be this would be this would be one of the few things I would leave the Ryan Kelly morning after for Um, it really would be part because it's what I would want to do, but also in part because I knew that there was a bolt of lightning hitting in St. Louis and God only knows what was going to go on. Um, so, so with that all said, um, I'm figuring, you know, in a week or so, I'll get a call and I'll come back up in a couple of weeks and do a couple of shows and we'll see where it goes. And I had no idea what kind of money the thing would pay. It might not have, you know, for me being already sidekick, it might not have been enough to, to move to New York and live there. Uh, but either way, that's that's what was going on. So we get to uh, LaGuardia to fly to West Palm the next morning, and there was some kind of delay. We get on the plane, and the plane has just begun the process of pulling away, but it hasn't, obviously, we haven't taken off. We're just sitting there. We're just sitting there, but it's not like we're connected to the airport anymore, so we're just sitting there, and my phone rings, and I don't recognize the number, can't use my phone anyway, and it goes to voicemail. And this is where it becomes one of the most, I mean, it's its still, it's still, it's still, I guess now with some results oriented, maybe it isn't as bad. In the moment, it tortured me, and then what I then experienced with the man and woman and all that clusterfuck stuff. Uh, for the next few months, and then what then led to 920, but then that led to the Albert Pujols thing, which was, you know, I mean, just emotionally, there were all kinds of things going on. It was brutal. Uh, but even without knowing that that stuff was coming, uh, this, this ate me alive, ate me alive. And I guess it still, in a sense, bothers me because it's, it's this what might have been moment. Since they now say we're going to be on a delay, we're just going to sit here. You know, we're not going to taxi. We're not going to, you know, deplane. We're just going to sit here. I couldn't go anywhere. So now they're letting us use our phones. And so now I can check my voicemail. And usually when it's a random area code and voicemail, you're thinking it's like some credit card company trying to get you to get a credit card or something. You don't think anything of it. I didn't think anything of it. It might have been a 212 area code. So maybe I was thinking it could be something. I don't remember. But I know I wasn't thinking it was what it was. And what it was, was the executive producer of the show saying, Tim, if you are still in the New York area, do not get on your plane. Under no circumstances, get on that plane. We want you to come back and do the show tonight and the rest of the week. We really want to do this. I hope you get this voicemail. Please give me a call back as soon as possible. And I can't do anything. I can't do anything. I am I am absolutely stuck, and I I, I telling the story still is uh, tilting because if the plane if if the call comes in twenty minutes earlier, we get back in a cab and head back into the city, and I stay there and I do the shows, and who knows what happens. But it would have been a different ballgame because now we would have show two shows under our belt. There's a comfort level there. There was some chemistry. We all got along really well, both me and Artie, but also our significant others. And I and yet and yet I can see the airport. It's 50 yards from me. And we're not going anywhere, but I can't go anywhere. And I'm beside myself. No, I'm not like freaking out on the plane, but internally I'm beside myself. And that and, and the reason why I know it was February 12th, because the next day was February 13th, and it was Anna Marie's birthday, and I was a total dick that day because I was so upset about what happened with the phone call. Um, because we eventually do taxi and fly from New York to West Palm, and that's where we are. And usually I couldn't be happier to be landing in West Palm Beach But in this case, I couldn't have been more depressed. And, you know, I was just in a horrible mood the whole day and night and ensuing days. I remember that being my least favorite spring training trip because I was absolutely a wreck over, you know, like this sliding doors moment. Uh, Obscure film with Gwyneth Paltrow from 1998. Maybe you would know Mr. Destiny with the great Jim Belushi better, uh, what his life would be like had he hit the home run versus how he swung and missed. That's what I felt like it was. And I was just distraught, absolutely distraught. And so as things play out, uh, John Ritchie, who is a fullback for the Raiders and the Eagles, winds up uh, auditioning. They liked the idea because the show was supposed to be a sports show, which is, I don't get what that was about, but either way, it's what it was supposed to be. And they liked the idea of a former athlete. I think they actually wanted to hire John Sally, as I understood it. And um, and uh, he wanted too much money or something like that. And so it didn't happen. Or he lived in L.A. and he didn't want to move to New York, something along those lines. Richie had just retired from the NFL, I believe. And he was looking to get into broadcasting. They liked that he was in sports. And... Uh, he auditions, and they're like, oh, we can have a former NFL guy, plus he played for the Eagles and the Raiders, two pretty big brands, uh, and so that's the direction they went, but it did, it wasn't done, now that's the way it eventually went, but it wasn't done, and I was actually in a communication with Chris Long, remember Chris Long from earlier in the story, not the Ram Chris Long, not the recent Super Bowl champion with the Eagles and Patriots the year before Chris Long, Chris Long of TV. and we were going to, fun facts for no and tell, i visualized, and I wrote this long email, which is when I started the story, said if there's something I could go back and do differently, it's kind of like the Steve Savard interview, go back and not write a long email to Steve, and Steve not write a long email to me. I'm sure he'd like to have that one back. Um, I wouldn't have written a long email to Chris because I, just with the benefit of now thinking about it, and I guess at that time I hadn't run radio station. And granted, I'm running an AM radio station in St. Louis at 920. Uh, he's running direct TVs programming, slightly different scopes. Uh, I know what it's like when I get a monster email, especially when it's somebody I don't know, you just kind of go, Oh God, you know, but I'm like pleading my case for my vision for the show. And so I lay it out there and I said, here's what I think would work because what they were going to do, they're going to have me and Artie and, uh, friend of the Ryan Kelly morning after and well-known in the adult film community, but also on Fox business news with John Stossel, Caden Cross go up there and do some shows and everybody liked the idea. And then it got, they were, there was a one week where they had to uh, do something on the street uh, where the studio was. And when they do that, they shut down the street in New York city. And so that meant that they were going to take that week off. And so then it didn't work for Caden's schedule, and then it didn't wind up work, working for Artie's schedule, and so this never happened. But my whole thing to Chris Long, and then also another Chris there, and I can't remember what his name was, which, with, again, with the benefit of hindsight, it makes me cringe that I wrote this. But I was, I, was so, I was so passionate about it working, was that Artie is the greatest three of all time. And the reason why the show isn't doing what you guys, I think, visualized it doing is because you have him playing as a one, and he's not a one. He's a three. So, so you can't make a three a one. I mean, you can, but when the three is the greatest three of all time, you want the three to play the three. So when he was with Art, or with Howard, Howard's the one, Robin's the two, Artie's the three. Well, now he's having to play the role of the one. And then that takes away the gr- stuff that made him so great on the Stern show, which was the sniping comments and how he'd kind of tune in and tune out and then just tell an incredible story you know, bus balls, the other staff, it was just, it was perfect. And so I thought he, it felt like he's playing out of position. And I said, since the television show, and you really don't care about, you know, oh, are we going to offend people if we have a porn star on and that kind of bullshit, uh, you know, and Caden isn't just like, you know, some dipshit porn star, you know, like I said, and I was able to send them clips from her time on with John Stossel on Fox Business News, or Fox News Business, uh, that, you know, that she's not only done television, but she, she can speak intelligently. So I could bring it in and out of break and set it up for Cade and Artie. And that's what I thought would work. And I thought people bet, like, God, there's Artie Lang. Oh, there's a porn star. And now he's playing. And I thought, I thought this is the show and this thing could be huge. And, and still to this day, I believe that's the case. I still believe it. I, and it's easy to believe because there's no way anybody can ever prove it wrong. Uh, but that's what I believe would have worked. But they wanted to go with a former athlete. The Caden audition never got to happen. Caden gets pregnant, uh, totally taking it off the table. And, um, and that's that. I mean, that's essentially, that's essentially that. Uh, so John Ritchie gets the gig. Um, I wind up never going back up there because of that construction on the street and they wanted to go with a former athlete, and while I you know, was having some success playing poker, I don't think that's exactly the kind of uh, sport they were looking for, for somebody to have played. And uh, I think the show went for another year, if I'm not mistaken, and then it was canceled. Um, and I just view it as... I, I, view, I view the show itself as a missed opportunity, but I view specifically... Still, I mean, as I'm telling the story, it makes me cringe, specifically the fact that that phone call came and it would have been one thing if I would have landed in West Palm and it came while we were in the air or if I was already back in St. Louis and it came. But the fact that the phone call came and I I was 50 yards away from the terminal but I couldn't get off the plane and go back into the city and do the show the rest of the week is, is, is still five years later brutal it is brutal and yes the show wound up uh getting canceled and yes Artie has obviously had plenty of problems with substance abuse since and who's to say both of those things would have had their trajectory changed um i think it's a possibility that it would have been uh now maybe that's uh that's far-fetched but i firmly believe that if you have uh Artie Lang with Caden Cross and me just setting him up and getting the fuck out of the way that you would have had something there. Um, so, you know, the way things play out for me is, you know, you have the man and woman catastrophe. I know that that's going to go out of business. We all know it's going to go out of business. So that means we got to go find a new place to do the, the show. So that means I have to go start a new radio station, which isn't something I was dying to do, but it was a necessity, so I did it. Uh, and unfortunately, it wound up really working, which then led to Randy Markel, the owner of KFNS, pursuing me and then uh, doing the deal to have us come over to KFNS. And so in that sense, it worked out. Uh, from Artie's standpoint, his show was canceled. He did started up a podcast. Uh, they wanted to charge for it, and they did, but there were plenty of people who were just circumventing that and not paying for it, and so they weren't selling advertising, and it just didn't work financially. And so about a year ago, 2017... He's, I, I'm pretty certain he stopped doing it. Now, for him personally, with crashing on HBO, that has really reinvigorated him. And he's awesome on that show. And I wound up hanging out over at Kirkwood Brew House with Dan Filato. It was during the NCAA tournament in 2017. I remember he was watching Northwestern as a Chicago guy. And he was talking about everything. And we were hanging out. And then, like, the next day is the breaking news that Artie was arrested in Hoboken for possession of narcotics. And I was supposed to see him that night at the funny bone at Westport. And I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to cancel his show. Oh my God, is he a disaster again? What's going on? So I'm texting with Dan and he goes, he's fine. You know, obviously he's a little, you know, freaked out by this news because it happened a few days ago and now it's getting national attention. It was all over TMZ. And so I go out to see his show that night. He looks different Uh, he still performs so well and, you know, said hello to him, hung out. Tim Convy was there. Good guy, comedian. Uh, now I think he's the morning show host on Y98. Uh, so I hadn't seen Tim in a while. We're hanging out in the green room. We already, Tim, uh, Dan Flotto and, uh, already gets done with the show and we're done. And I'm just like, all right, I'm going to head home. Anna Marie pregnant. She wasn't there. So I'm just heading home. I'm heading down two seventy from Westport South towards my, my home in Kirkwood. Uh, and I get a call or a text. I can't remember what it was from Dan Falato saying, Hey, are you still here? And I said, no, I took off. And he goes, Hey, can you come back? Artie really needs to see you and talk with you. And I'm going, what in the world could this be? You know, I mean, Artie and I know each other, but you know, very loosely. Uh, and I'm thinking, and the reason why I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe he's a wreck from this news that just broke a few hours ago. That's a national story now. And that is his his bust for possession of narcotics. And I'm like, well, I can't, I can't not be there for him, even though it's not like we're close friends. I mean, we've texted a few times over the years, but I mean, you know, it's not like doing two shows and seeing you before you do your comedy set makes you close friends, but he's in St. Louis. He doesn't know many people or any people. I'm going to try and be there for him. And so I go out there and they're like, Hey, can you come up to his hotel room? And I'm going, what in the world? But I'll do it. So I go in there, and as it turns out, there are a few people hanging out, um, and it's just laid back. And Artie and I wind up BSing. um, Couldn't be friendlier. because God, I love doing your show. He goes, I just love the fact that you can go on for a long time without a break and just do these long interviews. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, I learned that by watching and listening to you i mean that's where it comes from that's where the hour-long segments come from they come from the howard stern show that's where it comes from uh it's it, that's it there's there's no there's no nuance to it that is it and it it struck me as funny that he didn't you know didn't recognize that he was a part of fuck he was part of like 90 minute segments uh on the stern show what are they going to do to stern so that conversation then leads to uh, you know, talking about how he's doing, talking about how everything is going, and just really a heartfelt talk. And he goes, "Hey, when are you going to be in New York? I want to have you on the podcast. Let's get dinner. You and Anna Marie. We'll hang out." Uh, and so there it is. Five years. Well, at that point, four years removed from doing the show, that's who he is. And so I realize a lot of you probably know him from the Stern Show. Maybe you know him from you know Dirty Work with Norm Macdonald. You know his comedy sets. Uh, And certainly from the news with all of his battles with substance abuse. But when people go, how many chances are people going to give him? I think just my limited interaction with him tells you the kind of person he is, Uh, which is he's just a really good guy who battles daily an addiction. Um, But because he's a good guy, people want to see him overcome it and have success. And uh, from that standpoint, you know, my experience on that show, you know, it wasn't about, you know, we're going to talk about the New York Giants or, you know, the time, the St. Louis Rams or anything like that. I mean, I I didn't even cross my mind. I don't, you know, that shit doesn't cross my mind when I do my own show in St. Louis, much less, you know, I know he's not going to want to talk sports. Uh, But the fact that, you know, what would have been, what could have been, had I still been in the airport versus sitting on the airplane when that call came and how things could have changed. I I still can't help but think about it. And I hate it. You know, there's fortunately very few regrets, which is a fortunate thing because when you do have them, they torture you. Uh, And that's not to say it's a regret because I didn't do anything wrong per se. It was just a bad beat, as we say in poker. It was a bad beat. So that is the Artie Lang story. The question was, what was and what is the way that things uh, worked out on that whole show. And uh, that is how it all transpired. It was uh, it was an incredible 48-hour, 72-hour experience. But um, it's it certainly something I look back on, and, and I can't help but, but wonder what would have been different. But either way, nothing takes away from that night where we're hanging out at Gotham Comedy and hanging out afterwards at a bar with Artie and his fiancée. So... Uh, I hope that answers the question. I hope the story uh, certainly provided, I would think, some detail. My God, I went on for an hour about it. Uh, but there it is. You're always welcome to ask questions. Maybe if I find one each week that just can I can go into and into and into, uh, email me at, at insidestl.com or you are more than welcome to uh, just post it on the TMA fan page. Hope you enjoyed the story. For In this case, it was just a question from the audience uh, here on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoneExpert.com studios.